Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast with our hosts, Dave Jorner and Jared Press, who through Project Hatch, dedicate their life's work to enabling and empowering young people around Australia to do life even better. Whatever you're wanting to create for your life, this podcast will give you the tips, messages and inspiration you need to make it happen. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Do Life Better podcast. So glad you're joining us again today. And we hope that you are creating a great day for yourself. And first off, a bit of a shout out to uh, KTG, who says, thumbs up, positive message, excellent tips, and brightens up my day. Great banter, guys. Thanks for that, KTG. Thanks for the feedback. We really appreciate it when... People are posting um, mm, mm. on iTunes there. So thank, thanks very much. Yeah, Kate, that's awesome. Thank you. And speaking of thank yous, mm. and Jared, you were talking about uh, just before we started recording, you are talking yep. about how you've been working on gratitude a lot in this last few days because yep. of the interview that we had with Matthew Ames. Yeah, 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 sure. Just being more mindful of some of the simpler things in my life that mm. probably I don't really think of, you know, like your arms and your legs, your feet and your hands. Okay. Um, and just being more grateful for some of those smaller things in life. Yeah, sure. So in today's episode, we pick up on the second part of the interview Mm -hmm. with Matthew Ames. Firstly, if you didn't listen to the first part, uh, go back and do it now because otherwise this episode won't make sense for you. So you need all the backstory. So if you haven't heard the first part, go back, listen to it now, and then come back to this episode immediately afterwards and pick up where you left off, okay? Excellent. And look, today there are two main themes in this podcast. A bit later on, Matthew's going to talk about... um, a really, really wonderful, beautiful way that he's been able to deal with all the things that have happened Mm -hmm. in his life Mm -hmm. since uh, becoming an amputee. But right now, Dave's just asked a great question as to how Matthew deals with the grief, the pain, the loss, Mm -hmm. and some of the more negative times in his life. When you say it's okay to be feeling this, and now what? Tell us about how you do that. Maybe a couple of examples might help. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to, you know, explain how I do something because I just sometimes just do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, an example might be I might be, you know, I suffer from quite a lot of chronic pain um, and sometimes that gets quite fatiguing mm-hmm. and sometimes I can get cranky because of that. <laughs> so, I know that I, I get cranky if I have a little headache. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if the kids are coming home and mm-hmm. – uh, you know, I'm not feeling a hundred percent. Um, sometimes I notice myself, you know, being a little bit cranky towards them. And I think the first thing that I try and do is, um, just be aware of what's going on around mm-hmm. me okay. and what I am doing. To be uh, aware first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Be aware. So all of a sudden I generally go, I sound a bit cranky, you know, and then asking that question around, is that what I want? Okay. Is that actually, do I want the kids to receive me being cranky? Nice one. They've been aware first. Yeah. I'm, I'm sounding cranky right now. And then secondly, is this what I want? Like, does this line up with my values yes. and how I want to be as a dad? Yeah. Does it, does it align with that purpose or why? Mm. You know, and keep mm. coming back to that. So, and then go, well, no, it, my crankiness has nothing to do with them. So mm-hmm. how do I find the strength within myself to overcome that pain mm-hmm. and crankiness and mm-hmm. be present with the kids there and then. So that's just an, 
little example of kind of, you know, if you go from acceptance through where do you, you know, purpose and what you want to do and then act on that, um, I think is is something that I do try and do on a regular basis. The others may tell you I'm not successful all the time, <laughs> but uh, I try my best. Yeah, well, from what I've noticed, you do it incredibly well. Um, and so acceptance, how does this line up with my values? And yes. then what do I do next? So tell me a little bit about that. What do I do next stage? Because um, you, you mentioned before about finding the strength to be who the dad I need to be. Yes. Or instead of being cranky, finding that strength. Do you have a way to do that? Is it self-talk that you use? Is it again realigning with your why? What do you do? Uh, so uh, I think there's probably a couple of things that, yes, it's aligning with my why and my purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also for me the self-belief and the internal talk I have around doing things. Okay. So uh, I have always, and I think this comes probably from my father, I have always thought that if I want to do something, I can do it. Okay. And it's funny, even now I don't have any arms or legs. If I want to do something, I generally, my first thought is I can do it. Now it might require a lot more logistics and and risk and other things yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, that's where my mind generally starts. You know, like I remember when I was growing up, I had a old 1960s car mm-hmm. that I needed, you know, it was blowing oil and mm. I couldn't afford a new one. So mm-hmm. I decided to rebuild the engine. Now I had no idea what I was doing. I bought a book thinking that'll be right. <laughs> yep. A, a book on how to pull the engine apart and pull it back together again. Okay. Um, and you know, and that really comes from my dad. He uh, is a, an eternal optimist. Mm. Um, and I'm also surrounded by, you know, Diane is a phenomenal optimist as well. Mm-hmm. So so I think that that state of mind around believing in myself um, and aligning with my values um, generally brings me to action okay. um, into what I, what I feel like I need to do. So backing yourself that you have what it takes to figure it out. Yes, and also being humble enough to recognise that I'm not always going to know, mm, you know, mm, and mm. asking for help. Yes. Um, now, yes. I don't think I was very good at this before I became ill. I think it's something I've learned a lot better, okay. a lot better at, is okay. asking for help. Um, I, I am naturally fiercely independent and won't ask for help and I'll try and, you know, find my own way through. Um, but I think, well, A, through my working life, you know, recognising and involved in you know a lot of teams and, mm-hmm. and projects um, and you know learning a lot of my, about myself over time recognizing that I'm good at some things but I'm you know not good at a lot of other things so uh, finding others who can who can help um, me achieve what I'm trying to achieve as well, well and, okay uh, I think is a really important thing so um, would you say humility uh, yeah I think fundamentally humility uh, and um, and also openness. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I tell a number of stories around how it's it's okay to ask for help and ask mm-hmm. for help whenever you can. But I think the other thing is be open to others who see something for you that you don't see for yourself. Well, be open to others who see something for you that you don't see yourself. Yes, because there's a lot okay. of people around us who uh, love us and look out for us. If they're suggesting something... Chances are they're seeing something for us mm. that we don't see for ourselves. Mm. You know, uh, an example of that is, you know, I was up at 
um, Karamundi Beach up on the Sunshine Coast here mm-hmm. in Queensland mm-hmm. um, on a um, holiday and I was sitting out on a beach wheelchair, sitting up on the sand mm-hmm. dunes watching the, the kids um, you know, fly down this sort of water that you know, drains out of this lake towards the beach. It looked like heaps of fun. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, I was actually going through a bit of a grief process because it was yep. something I would have done with the kids before, but here I was having to sit and watch. You know, I got a bit sad. I'd set a, shed a tear and then as you know, I let that flow through me, um, I became present and noticed it was a beautiful day. The sun mm-hmm. was shining, the wind was blowing and I, um, it was fantastic to be alive. Uh, wow. But then just as I'd sort of come through that, Diane came up to me and mm. simply asked me if I would like to have a go in the water. <laughs> uh, now, <laughs> throwing a guy with no arms and legs yeah, in fast-moving yeah, yeah. water heading to the ocean, I don't know what could possibly go wrong. <laughs> so, but, but because of the – you know, my brain exploded and mm-hmm, went kind mm-hmm. of this is, this is crazy. Mm. Um, but I quietened those voices down and recognised that you know, Diane obviously sees something for me that I didn't even contemplate mm, doing mm, it myself. Mm. So I simply said yes. Um, and after a fair bit of risk management <laughs> uh, and a bit of, fair bit of help, yeah, uh, yeah. had a great time, you know, flying down that water. And interestingly enough, we got to the other end and the water splayed out but got a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And I had Diane holding me on one side and my sister Kate holding me on the other. Okay. And if either of them let me go, I was going to be washed out to sea. Um, and so we looked back at the beach wheelchair, which was a couple of hundred metres away and mm. kind of contemplated how we were going to do this. Um, but, you know, I think I've been very fortunate to experience the humanity that still exists within the world and some wonderful Good Samaritan came up and oh, well. asked if we needed help. Um, and very gratefully we said, yes, that would be wonderful. Mm, mm. Um, and he helped lift me back into the chair and... You know, went on his day, so it made a big difference to me. Well, sometimes I know for myself. Sometimes we just have all this pride in the idea of I don't need help; I can do this myself. Yes, it's also when someone offers something, uh, we kind of think um, I don't want to be in imposition. Like on a completely lower scale, last night I picked my boys up from my in-laws, and my mother-in-law she had their dinner ready and I made a comment of, geez, that, sounds, that smells awesome. And she asked if I'd like some. I said, no, no, it's okay. I'm going to go home and make the boys dinner. But um, it took me a while to get the boys ready to get out the door. And when we're out of the car, she walked out. I, she asked me a number of times. I said, no, no, thanks. It's okay. But she walked out with this container of the hot, freshly made dinner, which was yes. awesome, by the way. And she said, here you go, Dave, take it home. And this is your dinner. And I was actually incredibly grateful. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I looked more tired than I thought I was. Or maybe I seemed a bit stressed and I didn't think I was so much. Or or maybe she was just wanting to help out in some way. And Maybe she was just wise. Maybe <laughs> she was just wise. That, that's it. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have this default of position of no, I don't want help. I'm going to do this myself. Or I don't want to be in a position on somebody else. So, no, don't do any favours for me. It's okay. But you're saying that you've learned so much now about asking for help. And being open when someone else would like to help you. Yes. And I think when you really think about it, there is nothing better to form a strong relationship with anyone mm. than by helping each other. Nice. You know, so, you know, when you when people help someone, mm. Mm. you know, there's a great uh, bond that then gets created. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, I think that's the other thing that I've learned is that, um, you know, help 
uh, although quite often I will try and do a lot myself, mm-hmm. um, it's it, the bonds that are created through helping each other are extraordinarily strong. Mm. And if there's one thing I've learned, you know, I've done a fair bit of research on resilience, you know, the, mm. the single biggest predictor of whether or not you will get through adversity is the quality of relationships that you have with those people who are close to you. Oh, wow. That's it. You know, there's lots of other things that they talk about, but that is consistently. And interestingly, you look at the happiness research and mm-hmm. the happiest people are those people who have good quality relationships with those people who are close to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a fairly clear signal of what you should be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, and helping each other is part of way of, a strong way of getting there. Mm, absolutely. I think that was one of the things that um, draw me, drew me to you in the first place. Like at, at um, well, there's many other things as well, but when I first saw you speak at the leadership gathering, um, you seemed so resilient, so hopeful, so optimistic, and you spoke about relationships. And then to see you outside with Di- Diane afterwards and then to see your relationship together and to see that, beautiful sign of humanity there and togetherness and mm. love and hope together. Um, it's enabled me to see you as someone who is incredibly approachable, incredibly humble and open as well. Um, and, you know, you, you spoke before about how there's a lot of re- research on resilience. I could probably do a lot of research on you <laughs> as well in terms of resilience. Um, but before you spoke about um, the other dreams that you have and and the control and you even mentioned picking up the kids before now yes i know for a long time you've been having this dream of being able to drive again yes and and be able to do the the school drop-offs and pickups and 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 having that freedom for you and you took us down to the garage just before to have a look through your your awesome new van that, yeah, yeah. that you can drive Yes. Yeah, so um, tell us about that process. How did that come about? It, it started uh, on a rugby field. Okay. Uh, I right. was uh, fortunate enough to go to a Wallabies match mm-hmm. here in Brisbane and I was sitting next to a, a fellow, uh, Rocky Maletto from Orange. He's a you know, really, uh, really kind fellow. He was explaining how he, uh, he'd been a quadriplegic for... I think 16, 17 years at the okay. time that I met him. And he'd been driving again for the first, for about a year. Um, and I was a little bit, uh, well, excited about the fact that, um, you know, that Rocky could get back out there, mm, which was mm. great. Uh, but I also thought that if um, I sometimes pitch myself, you know, sometimes I can do, I can't quite do much as um, some spinal cord injury people, but. Okay. Um, I can do some more than others. So it's kind of okay. – I sometimes use a lot of the stuff that they use um, to find advice. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, if Rocky's able to drive, then maybe it's a possibility for me. So he gave me the name of the people who did the modification. And I did a bit mm-hmm. of research and there's really only one person – one group who can do the level of modification that I need. Um, so, yeah, anyway, the process started about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a bit of a tre- test drive to, before we endeavoured to go down the track of getting up and running. But there's a few things also that have really come together. It's It looks like just a car, but, again, it's a massive almost village that's kind of got mm-hmm. me there. Mm-hmm. The fact that I've got 
titanium bolts coming out of my bones that attach my prosthetics in a way that they're very secure mm-hmm. um, means that I have surety as I drive with my prosthetic arms. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously if you didn't have total faith in those actually being well controlled, then I wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the surgeons who put that in are part of the process, mm-hmm. the prosthetists who put my arms together are part of the process. And it'd be interesting, yeah. like they probably had no idea back when they did the surgery. No. That and I had, I, had really no, well. I had no idea at the time, you know, yeah. I still didn't know if it was possible. And yeah. um, and the prosthetists who made my arms, they didn't know that they were going to end up doing that. So. Mm. Um, you know, and then you know, two through to the you know, groups have been directly involved in getting me up and running. Um, and also, you know, it's interesting going through the driver training um, process as well. You mm-hmm. know, the fellow who does it is just a very special in, individual, mm-hmm. um, you know, four days with me in the car driving all around, you know, southeast Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, he has secondary controls so that he can take over the car okay. at any particular yep. point in time, yep. which, was, which was really great. But I remember on the fourth day he asked me to pull over and he pulled – he just leaned down and he pulled the secondary control out of the right. uh, computer yeah. and then put it in the boot and then sat down and then said, okay, let's go. And, you know, <laughs> just taking away that security blanket for me in my head mm, was mm. Um, he obviously trusted in me again, you know, a little bit before I trusted myself because mm-hmm, he's been through mm-hmm. the process obviously with lots of other people mm-hmm. um, and I'm basically comparing my skills to what I had beforehand. Yes, yes. You know, so which is not a necessarily a fair comparison, mm. um, but I think you know, and also that risk process of you know the last thing that I want to do is put anyone else at risk. Um, so I needed to be comfortable enough to know that you know I wasn't going to do that. Mm. Um, so so that was probably going through the whole process of getting the car. That was the biggest thing to overcome for me. Okay, is at what point did I feel like I was competent enough? Sure. So, and then, so w- when you reached that point, yes, what was it like? Fantastic. <laughs> going into the garage, going into the car, all by yourself, yeah. going out on that first drive. What was that like? Uh, it was uh, both uh, extremely exciting mm-hmm. and um, uh, ridiculously scary at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So you know, although I felt I feel safe enough mm-hmm. at the start, um, I was. Uh, uh, one of those drivers is kind of like a little bit stop start, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, so I my issue is that they set up the braking, so I stop a bit quickly mm-hmm. and accelerate a bit slowly, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing than having it the <laughs> other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's taken me a while to get that finer control. Um, it's just like any kind of new driver, really, because mm. um, I'm driving very differently. So, mm-hmm. so that mixture of emotion as I was going mm-hmm. um, was was certainly uh, getting my heart rate up. But yeah. um, but also, you know, the, the the key thing for me also is that it's it's not just a car. I mean, it's also um, a sense of who I am mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. In my role. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be able to deal with not being able to drive, um, but the ramifications of that are, you know, with four kids, you know, the taxi service that Diane has to do by mm-hmm. herself. Mm-hmm. And she was having to run all the kids around um, after school, getting home and then trying to get dinner on the table and then having to clean up afterwards. And she's just been exhausted for the last mm. five years. So if I can take, you know, some of that load off um, by helping out, um, doing, you know, doing what I'm doing. Um, and and it, 
is really been probably the biggest um, change and satisfaction for me. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, be, you know, it's that thing of, you know, I was talking about helping each other mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. greatest form of relationship building and there are there are more limited ways that I can help now. So it's mm-hmm. important for mm-hmm. me to find them and this is just another one of those as well as, you know, online shopping and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> to find the ones that you can do yeah, and yeah. then just go all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, you know, like our roles have had to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to do more sort of administration and detail stuff that I didn't used to do before with the okay. household and I have to do more physical stuff than she used to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching how to use a spanner and all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> and the kids. And look, it's, I think, you know, um, that triggers another thought for me, which I think is a great learning out of the last few years, is that if I think as a father, I would have most likely in many occasions jumped in and done things for my kids, whereas now I, because I don't have that option, I have to actually describe and teach them mm-hmm. how to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And through that process, the I think we greatly underestimate the ability of uh, younger people to be able to do things. You know? Ooh, and yeah, so, yeah. and having the patience, um, I'm kind of forced into it, mm-hmm. um, but I think having the patience to actually uh, teach younger people how to do things um, and let them at it rather than jumping in and taking over, I think is another important lesson I think I've learned. Well, so empower them through um, the belief yes. that they can do it, they can achieve, and also allowing them to fail fail quickly but safely. Yes. And then learn from that and then get back up and keep moving. Yeah. Uh, in this room uh, as two desks that mm-hmm. uh, my one of my sons is an Ikea whiz now. Uh, so <laughs> He loves uh, spinning the Allen key. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of them has lots of stickers on it because the first one we did, he did around the wrong way and has <laughs> lots of hole marks in it. Uh, I thought they were just decoration. That's whereas beautiful. the second one he did is absolutely perfect. And okay. you know what? The stickers, I love the stickers because yeah, it, it yeah. tells that story as well. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So a couple more questions if that's okay. Sure. And you um, started talking about the first one, I suppose, too. In well, Over this time now, what would be three – and I didn't tell you this, this question is going to happen. But okay. What would be the three biggest learnings for you? Uh, I normally talk about four. So can I talk okay, about four? Okay, go for it. You okay. have a bonus, yep. Um, so the biggest things for me, first one is things are what they are mm-hmm. or it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, learning about acceptance, um, not fighting things. Um, because for me that creates a foundation of peace mm-hmm. where I'm not, you know, I could say, why did this happen to me till the cows came home and it wouldn't make any difference. Um, so, you know, learning that, um, that art of acceptance I think is probably the foundation for okay. a lot of the things that I do. Um, the second thing, and I think, you know, they're all very important, but um, understanding that why, you know, what's your purpose? Why you're trying to do what you're doing, I think is um is absolutely critical. The third, I think, is best described by attitude. Um, when if you've got that sense of peace, you know where you are, and your purpose is telling you where to go. You can execute your plan to get there 
in lots of different ways. What attitude are you going to actually have along that pathway to get there? Um, and having a positive attitude and um, looking for opportunities in everything that we do, I think, is critical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and when I say positive attitude, I don't mean necessarily positive thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, things aren't always fantastic, mm-hmm. um, but yep. when they're not, how do you look for the opportunity in it? Nice. You know, even when they're really bad, you might learn not how not to do that again. Mm-hmm. So you're not there in the same spot. So. So what attitude do you have to get there, I think, is the third thing. Okay. And the fourth and probably most important thing is what I talked about earlier, the value of relationships. Yes. You know, treasure those people who are close to you and spend time on on that because that is the most important thing out right. of all of them. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, this is the Do Life Better podcast. What does Do Life Better mean for you? So if you um, could... Go and tell anyone, spread, spread your message to as many people as you possibly could. Yes. Um, to sum up all your learnings or your drive or your why, what would you tell someone um, about your meaning behind or your belief in the term do life better? What does that mean for you? Um, if I had to sum it up in one word, it would actually be about love. Nice. Uh, so love yourself and love others. I think it's probably the way. Um, that, and I think my mind frame, my mindset has, has shifted. Uh, the destination that I'm going on is still the same, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but the pathway that I'm taking is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm happy to admit I've got an ego and having to control that over years. Um, still learning. I'll probably mm-hmm. be learning forever. Um, but I think for me that's success. Is if you can, by doing life better, um, it's for me simply about love. Nice. Very powerful. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. And before I ask you the final question. Yes. Again, uh, thank you, Matthew, for your inspiration. Uh, thank you for um, you know, how, how you've inspired me personally through your resilience, through your hope, uh, through Again, the reminder of the power of relationships and, and that it's not just about yourself, but it's about your family, your loved ones, the village, the community around you. Um, the idea of humility and being open to asking for help and accepting help when it comes. Uh, and, and also being completely accepting and okay for whatever's happening. Um, you've, you've greatly uh, enhanced, I think, a lot of situations for me and, and the way that I view life in different um, moments as well. So. Thank you for that. My pleasure. Um, and our final question, we like to end our podcast with a challenge. Yes. Uh, to help do life even better. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we might have pre-warned you about this one, Matthew. <laughs> what would be your one challenge? Uh, my, I, well, I probably have way too many though. <laughs> <so. laughs> yeah. um, I think the most important challenge for me is um, – ask yourself the question, are you happy with the relationship that you have with those who are close to you? And if you're not, what are you going to do about it? Wow. There's your challenge, everyone. Love it. Um, Matthew, thank you very much. My pleasure. It's been fantastic. And, um, And again, for the inspiration that you are. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. 
So there you have it, everyone. Yeah. Uh, the challenge from Matthew is to consider your relationships, and if you're not happy with them, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about the relationships you have in your life, and are there people you can spend more time with? Are there people you can be more grateful for? Are, are there different ways in which you can improve your the relationships that you have with other people in your life? So as Matthew said, spend some more time considering your relationships. Dave, I really loved it um, yeah. when Matthew reminded us um, and sitting there listening to the interview, it was mm. amazing when mm. he just said that the most important way to do life better is to love, yeah. to give love and receive love. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, one of the big parts was when he was talking about, you know, it, it's okay to feel down, it's okay to feel grief and, and different emotions and what comes next is important. So taking that valued action, thinking about who do I want to be right now, who do I need to be, who the others need to, me to be, and then take valued action because of that. And if you're loving all of these messages and everything that Matthew was speaking about, yeah. uh, make sure that you check out his book, Please do. Will to Live. Uh, it's on Amazon and mm-hmm. you can even get it on Kindle as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and we want to thank Matthew Ames and his wife Di, of course, for their hospitality the other day and also yes. for sharing their stories and for inspiring you and I, Jared, yep. and also uh, we know a lot of other people around mm-hmm. Australia. So thank you very much again to Matthew and Di. And um, as always, everyone, Thank you for listening to another episode of the Do Life Better podcast. Please make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you share it out there. Rate it. Leave a review. Thank you very much, everyone. We look forward to having you join us again next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. You can find all the show notes on our website at www.projecthatch.com.au forward slash Do Life Better podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook at Project Hatch and on Instagram at project underscore hatch. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and a comment on iTunes to help this podcast reach more listeners just like you. Now it's time to get out there and do life even better.